Automation in our business is absolutely mission critical at the moment in terms of creating space to think differently. People have been saying for so long, I don't have time, I don't have time, I don't have time. That's where automation is just so critical for us is to create space in the compliance work that we do have to literally automate the guts out of it so that we take away that response, that response that says, I don't have time. G'day, everyone. Welcome back to the CA Catalyst podcast, Shaping the Practice of Tomorrow. I'm your host, David Boyer, a fellow chartered accountant and the founder and managing director of Siegel CFO. So far in this series, we've heard about future-proofing the accounting profession, the regulatory tech environment, and now we're about to explore how technology is playing out in public practice. I was able to interview practitioners from all regions, shapes and sizes. I think we can all learn from the resource-rich mid-tier. So I spent time with Shay Thayer, the director of BDO Drive, and Adam Ramage, the principal of BizTech at Morrow's. Representing suburban firms is Mike Atkinson from Auckland-based Bellingham Wallace and Michelle Griffiths from Tag Financial in Melbourne. But change in tech mean different things to small firms. So we welcome Sonia Gibson from Accounting Heart and Rebecca Mihalik. At the time I interviewed Beck, she ran Aptus Advisory, a multi-award winning cloud-based firm, before it joined the Business Depot Accounting Network. And to give us some context over the years, veteran chartered accountant John Stewart will be joining us. In this episode, you're going to hear from public practitioners who are actually grappling with the technology transformation. This show has four segments. We'll start by exploring what tech and automation actually is from people actually implementing it before hearing about the benefits for your firm and then moving to the benefits for your clients. Finally, we're going to get some tips on how to make the change. At the start of this show, Shay Thayer phrases the problem, we need more time. I asked Adam Ramage if that's what tech actually did. Got some good news for you. I think it lets me leverage time better, leverage time of both myself and my team. Hopefully it takes away some of that base level data entry style work and replace it with high level review and analysis type work. Finding the time to do different work will be a theme throughout this episode and probably this series. Automation seems to be the answer. Here, Rebecca Mahalik explains what automation means to her. When you move into the tech space and you decide to have a tech firm, one of the key things to make sure that automation and efficiencies actually exist is that these pieces of software actually talk to each other. So integration is incredibly key. You don't want to have to replicate every single task in and every contact in different pieces of software. So ideally, you want your first point of contact for a client, either to be through your CRM or if you've skipped that part straight into your engagement tool. And from that point, it needs to flow from there into workflow, into financial accounts, into tax returns, into advisory software. It all needs to speak to each other and come out from the same place. Now, you can be sitting there saying, but I don't need to change. Beck's firm has a high level of automation. So I asked her, what are the actual benefits? Get ready to hear an insane number. By doing that, you would save at least five to 10 hours per staff member a week. I would say for the administration team, probably half a week. Five to 10 hours per week and half the admin time. Well, listeners, I should have your attention now. Okay, this is amazing. Sign us up. But what are you signing up to? 
Here's the technology Beck uses. In the cloud accounting world, this is known as a tech stack. So our firm is completely cloud-based. So every single application that we use is in the cloud and we don't have a server. Key thing, we're a zero firm, so everything virtually that we use integrates and talks to zero in one way, shape or form. The next most important pieces of software that we use would be practice ignition for all of our engagements and getting our funds into the bank account through their fees structure. Now, Infinity for setting up our corporate entities, our trusts, our super funds and maintaining all the corporate and trust registers. We use for internal communication Slack, which has been fantastic, and we're actually starting to use that quite a bit for external communication particularly with our bigger clients that we're in constant streams of communication with. We use Carbon for job flow and for emails, which is just super awesome, and they have a new app, and I really like it. Have you downloaded it yet? No, Beck, I haven't downloaded it. But your enthusiasm for an app is infectious, and we can hear your passion. Your passion is for something that traditionally has been pretty boring, accounting workflow management technology. And we should perk up because you're so excited we should pay attention. Now, Beck may seem like an extreme example, but it's pretty accessible. I found that I was struggling with time to implement it, so I worked with an implementation firm called Clarity Street, and you can find out more about them at CA Catalyst events around the country. Of course, though, tech doesn't have to be implemented quickly. Michelle Griffiths runs a large suburban firm. Here's her approach to tech automation. Her key is to still focus on your people. We are really quite cautious with technology, to be honest. As an example, we've been using the BGL software forever and we've gotten some wonderful efficiencies and what have you out of the cloud versions of the BGL 360 and it's been awesome. But we always wait. We always hold off. We're never the first ones to bring the new technology in because we kind of have an approach where let's let somebody else kind of roll around in it and work out that it doesn't work. Once it's actually working a little bit better, then we'll we'll engage with it. But I guess technology is only as good as the people who are using it. And unless you've actually got good systems and processes in place to start with, technology then simply helps make work better. Technology is actually not the answer in isolation. John Stewart is a seasoned chartered accountant, but his wisdom has not stopped him utilising the benefits of tech to service a new type of client. In fact, it's his wisdom that helped him find this opportunity in the first place. That group? Startups. Here John talks about how many of us still don't take advantage of the market opportunity created through technology. There's been enormous change in terms of the technology that supports the accounting profession. I think there's been very little change in the way that accountants look to support their clients. And I think um, with some of my uh, colleagues and uh, mates over the years, they're doing very similar things to what uh, they were doing um, 20 and 30 years ago when I was in uh, practice, albeit with significantly better technology uh, than existed uh, then. I do some work in the early stage and startup community and there's a crying need for proper financial support and accounting support there that they're finding hard to get because the traditional accounting model where you bill your hourly rates, where you focus on um, getting a tax return done or monthly accounts uh, done, you know, um, in arrears, doesn't suit uh, those companies. And I can't see easily anybody uh, moving into that market and seeing it as lucrative. I do understand that you may not be able to be paid hourly rate enormously, and it would be hard to run a, um, 
a practice if it was completely made up of those style companies. But there's no one putting their hand up that I can see who's got a model that differs much from what it was 20 or 30 years ago. But clearly those early stage companies um, weren't round in the numbers um, they are now. We'll talk more about new billing models in Episode 7, Business Model Innovation. Now, I hope that by now you've got a feel for what tech automation is and what it can do for you. Let's now look at what the benefits are for your firm. Shaith Eye's biggest benefit is that accountants get to work with clients doing work beyond filling out forms and that automation is the key to achieving this. So for our team members and our champions that have gotten on the bus and are, you know, embracing technology to help them in their roles, they have the space to think. They have time to breathe and think and strategize and use, I guess, use parts of their brain that they've always wanted to use that they've never had time to. So they have space to sit and reflect on a client situation and create a plan that says, how am I going to actually help this client get somewhere where they want to go and in turn do the work that I actually like doing, which is not putting numbers in a box. <laughs> it's actually working with my client and having you know a really great outcome and being part of that process. For veteran John Stewart though, the space to do more work comes from pushing more of the grunt work back into the client's hands, with your job being quality control and really taking the time to talk about the outputs of those numbers. The way the technology's moved, the ability of the client to actually get you to trial balance stage has improved enormously. Being able to encourage a client to do that work, to say, I don't actually do this, this is what you need to do and give me this information at this level and I will give you back your monthly accounts. The number of, particularly with the smaller clients that I work with, the first thing I've got to do is often get their accountant to do their monthly accounts in the first 10 or 12 days after month end. The number of clients that get their results two and three months later when it's perfectly useless. Again, a large corporation has their results in their hands very, very swiftly. The leaders of the business spend um, a few hours every month seeing where they're at. Are we trending up? Are we trending down? They then move on to running the business. For accountants to be putting things down in front of people two and three months afterwards, given the technology and the pace of business today, that's not a proper service. You can't charge premium rates for that. Mike Atkinson tends to agree. For him, space has come not only from tech automation, but by reducing the double entry across his firm and having a single source of truth. He says it provides benefits for the firm and the client simultaneously. But be warned, the client may start to expect more from you. So we've been on a journey. So we transitioned into, uh, so we use Xero as our practice management tool and for our accounts ledgers for for clients. And and it wasn't necessarily Xero that was the driving force for that change into automation. It was actually being able to unlock up other stable products that we could integrate information seamlessly and, and avoid the need for either double entry, well not double entry, but multiple entries into multiple different softwares or having version control issues over software. And really automation is starting to, and I, and I say starting because we haven't cracked it, you know, it's an ongoing journey for us, but it's starting to lead us into um, predictive work around trending with clients and, and starting to look at what the impacts will be for the future trading on that business based on known facts today. Also tracking feeds around um, banking covenants and financial targets that we may set, uh, almost like a news feed on Facebook. And, and so getting that sort of feed in real time with clients. And, and the expectation is now clients expect that from us. They say, well, you can see all my data live, so why aren't you telling me when something's not going right? 
And that's a different conversation than what we were having even five years ago with clients. Now, this is all well and good, but let's get specific. I asked Beck Malik for a specific firm problem that was solved by automation. Check how much of her tech stack gets used here and the impact on her as a business leader. As a firm, we were having a communication issue to the extent that our clients who were onboarded were then not being automatically put into our communication tools where we would send out our newsletters and updates. So we've set up an automated task now that once a client signs off their engagement, they will automatically get added to our subscriber list for all of our newsletters and communication. It happens instantaneously and to check that it happens because though I trust automation, I like to check it, I have another trigger that then will automatically pop up in Slack that says, this person who has just accepted your proposal is now on your newsletter subscriber list, just to make sure that it's actually happening. By nature, I am a control freak and technology, whether it's good or bad for me, has completely pandered to that. And but in a way that has allowed me to actually release control. So I can still be across everything, understand everything and know where everything's up to, but not have to be the one doing it all. So technology, particularly our communication tool, allows me to get triggers and notifications every time something is completed by my team. So I don't have to worry about it, stress about it and chase them up. Something to consider when using technology is the impact on your clients. But Shay Thayer says... You just don't need to worry. Clients love it. I think one of the, I guess, pieces of resistance to doing anything with tech or anything with tech that is client-facing is that, oh, the clients might not like it because our accountants are not trained or they're not confident in managing change generally and so aren't confident managing change with their clients. So what we've seen is that clients love it and they're demanding more of it. And I think that's something that our teams haven't expected. I certainly, that's been my assumption, that clients, and, you know, my view is that clients are banging the door down for this stuff. But that's something, our teams really didn't expect that. And it's, um, it's great because that encourages them to do more of it. It also creates a lot of pressure to have the best client-facing tools and have the best, most seamless process on the client end as well. Adam Ramage supports this. He says that using the full cloud ecosystem provides a huge benefit to clients because of how it enables proactivity. Now, this is a word that's been debated a lot over the years. What does proactivity mean? Most of our clients now are using software via our subscription, whereas previously they would have gone out and bought their own software, provided us with reports as and when they felt like it. We now have the opportunity to access that data and provide them with real-time or more uh, proactive advice. So definitely moved to a more proactive service offering. I still wasn't happy. So I really asked him, give me a specific example. He was honest with what it meant to be proactive in his firm. With one of our clients, they had a, a lengthy step process to move between uh, rostering in three different business units. So they had rostering, they had payroll that was being run by a spreadsheet that was sent off to a payroll provider that was come back down to an up via another spreadsheet and then data entered into their accounting software at the time. We implemented Tanda, uh, live costed rostering, across all the three business divisions and feeds automatically into their payroll. 
beautiful business solution for them, uh, gives them visibility, saves them time. We charged a set implementation fee in that case for a range of services. That was one of the earlier ones that we did, so we had some learning in that. So I won't call them mistakes because mistakes aren't really mistakes. They're just learning opportunities, aren't they? So we did some learning in that. And yes, that might have cost us some hours if we were talking about hours, but the intention was always to give the right outcome for the client. And that's what we've delivered. For Mike Atkinson, though, being proactive is about giving valuable advice and the tech matters. But he argues anyone can get data into a piece of technology being a good advisor is about the quality advice you give. Really, anyone can fill in the formulas and punch out some numbers, but then the art is to explain it in a simple way that clients understand, and they're actually going to do something with it. Uh, so that's the second challenge for us, is, is not only do we then need to educate them and tell them about the benefits of the accounts, we then also need them to do something with that. Uh, in my experience, if clients can see value and can apply our advice to their businesses and they see a change as a result of it, then they will want more. Whereas if they can tell a client an issue several times over and if they don't do anything about it, they're not going to get the value, they therefore aren't really trusting your advice and you're going to have a a real challenge trying to upsell them more services. Now here's something different. Unlike traditional accounting services, playing in the tech space is a bit of a different beast when it comes to working out if your clients are happy. Here's how Rebecca Mihalik does it. The client feedback is hugely important, so we stay quite engaged during the implementation process and post-implementation to ensure that the software is working for them, that they're happy with it. If there are rectifications that need to be made, we will work with them and rectify it to ensure that they know that. And before we actually go into this, we do a scoping session to find out what they think their issues are and what their ideal situation would be at the end of all of this, what they actually want to achieve and build a solution to get them there. Okay, we have now understand what the tech is, what automation is, benefits to you, benefits to your firm. How do you get from where you are now to where you want to get to? We'll talk more about the mindset you need to do this in episode eight, but here are some tips from practitioners about how they've done it in their firms. To start with, Beck Mahalik thinks that the leadership of your firm needs to be on the same page. To run a tech firm, you absolutely need to have alignment between your staff, yourself and your clients. Otherwise, it won't work. The team needs to be on board that manual processes are not the best way to do things and have to have faith and reliability and some eagerness about the automation and the software. They have to be keen to embrace it, keen to learn it and keen to implement new ideas as they come through. The clients need to be on board because if they're not, then it all kind of falls over. There's no point being completely automated internally and then still print out everything and send it out. It's all a bit of a waste. So our firm has a particular type of team and a particular type of client. When it comes to leading change, Mike Atkinson takes a team approach. He says that whilst empathy is important, selling the benefits is just as critical. And he creates little pods within his team to explore new tech opportunities. Have a listen to what he also has to say about young employees versus old ones. Uh, the best way that we've found is really involving them early. We're setting in clear targets and some clear goals and direction of where we want to go, but we need them to buy in early on, particularly when there is a bit of change. Uh, and certainly shifting from an older practice management system to the newer one that we're on took everyone's buy-in and did take time. And, and there's a lot of extra effort and work that had to go into it. 
And so it was trying to sell them on the benefits at the beginning and really get them to own it and make them responsible for parts of it. Ultimately, it was been driven by a lot of our junior team members that are naturally perhaps more tech savvy. Although don't assume that just because they that the junior people are into it that some of the more senior people aren't. But yeah, look, the benefit has probably been creating little wee pods or teams within the organisation that have gone and explored further what we could do and how we can better understand the information. Uh, a real simple example might even be Office 365. So we've been on that for quite a while, but like a lot of people, um, you know, the old VCR, there was the stats flying around that 85 or 90% of the population didn't know how to program their VCR, and it's much the same with Office 365. There's so much power in there that people just don't even know how to um, use it properly. Good example, Power BI. Uh, there's some fantastic dashboarding and capability in there, but most people just don't know how to use it. Now, Sonia Gibson runs a smaller firm, so her answer's slightly different. Her approach was to go and ask her staff what their motivation was to make a change to a tech way of working. I also asked her, given her staff have non-tech backgrounds, do her staff fear tech? I actually asked my team about that only yesterday to sort of, you know, how do they feel about coming into a a practice that's very technology-based when they've all come from a background that's been very paper-based, very old-school ways of working. They basically said that they wanted, wanted the flexibility in their work life and that they were prepared to make the sacrifice to get that flexibility in terms of learning new things. <laughs> Have I confronted anyone that, you know, is fearful of technology? Um, in my own team, I guess everyone is a little bit fearful when they start with me because I've come from a background that hasn't been tech-based but they enjoy the challenge of learning new things and they're committed to the whole process because that's just how the practices run. We very much have a culture of change in tech, so it's just part of who we are and how we do things. With clients, I find that clients generally fall into two camps, those that love technology and those that don't. With the clients that aren't such lovers of technology, we try and make it as easy as we can for them and we still do engage with them on a paper basis um, if that's the way that they prefer to do business. This has been a fun discovery into what tech automation is, but there is some urgency about change and it isn't easy. Shay Thayer has a clear message for people who might fear technology. If I was in a debate with someone that feared technology, I don't think I would go in heavy. I think one of the things I've learnt, and I'm pleased that I've learnt this, it's just a human thing, is that you've got to be empathetic whether you agree or not, and I clearly terrifies me that people are scared of tech. It makes me sad for them. I worry, all of that sort of thing. But I think I'd, I would have to approach it with empathy and try and, although it's a debate, so I'm not sure how this would work, but I would love to unpack where that fear comes from. I'd actually really like to have a psychology degree to help me with some of these things, <laughs> but I don't think you can go in hard and heavy. I think it just, oh, I just think it would have the complete opposite effect. We're just about running out of time, but here's a clear message from Michelle Griffiths and a great tip to help you lead your business through the tech opportunity and the tech change. Change in any business is hard, but Once again, I think one of the mistakes that we have made sometimes is to think that change is easy and that we just need to put this piece of software in. And where we actually engage the team and get their buy-in and get their contribution and where it's a more collaborative approach, change always works a lot easier. 
whether it be software change or whether it's structural change or any change, if you get the people involved, get them talking about it, even though you might know what the answer is that you want to hear, number one, you might actually hear some good ideas, but don't kind of go in dictating what the outcome is going to be. We need to go through the process. And sometimes that means you've got to go through it a bit slower, but you get the result better doing it in that way. Well, that's all we've got time for on the CA Catalyst podcast, The Practice of Tomorrow. In this episode, we spoke about technology and public practice. Next up, though, we're talking about transformation through technology, and I'm sitting down with some of the real tech leaders in the space, people from Xero, MIB, and even the ATO. But keep your eyes and ears open because we've got even more coming. We're going to talk about the value chain and the trusted advisor, how to choose to lead, business model innovation, and the mindset you need for growth. Finally, this series is going to end with a great conversation about the community around you because you're not alone. My name is David Boyer. I've had an absolute pleasure presenting this show to you this week. And if you want to keep in touch, log into your MyCA and join the CA Catalyst group because there's lots of great conversation going on about the topics and ideas we've discussed in this episode and you can be a part of it.